We are going to be taking a look this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 together, but I want to look at Ephesians 4 with you first, because as you know, and I've told you this as we're going through Corinthians, it is a corrective epistle that Paul wrote to the church there in Corinth. There were some things that needed to be addressed, some things going on in the church that should not be happening um, in the body of Christ. Um, and the Apostle Paul also wrote Ephesians, the letter to the believers there in Ephesus. And he actually lays out for us here in uh, chapter 4 um, just really the functioning of the church and the different gifts that he gives within the church. And there's a reason for those gifts being given. He tells us in verse 11 and he himself, speaking of Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, some are prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for a purpose. And that purpose is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Okay, so as we consider why the church is here and the different parts that God gives to the church, it's to equip the church that we may do ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, to build us up. And that's why it's important that we are a part of a local church that we're allowing what God's given to his body, these different brothers and sisters who are gifted in different ways, to speak into our lives, to grow. As we give announcements, when we talk about retreats or a marriage retreat or the men's retreat, the women's retreat at Green Lake, you know, it's not just, oh, we get a little vacation away. No, we even take those good fun things as opportunities for the body of Christ to really work in the way it was intended to really be able to build each other up, that we would be growing, that we would be in a place where we're uh, growing. Let's read on because it tells us what will happen as a result. Till we come to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children that are tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine. The trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, that's what we're to do. May grow, that we would grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together with every joint what it supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Isn't that a cool description Paul gives us here in Ephesians of what we're supposed to be doing? I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be tossed into <laughs> to and fro because there's a lot of craziness today out there, even within the church of Jesus Christ. I see a lot of brothers and sisters are onto this thing, and next week it might be something totally different. But Paul says, no. <laughs> I've given you guys these different leaders within the church. These pastors, teachers, are going to be a part of the church to instruct in the word of God, that we would grow up in him, that we would know his word, that we wouldn't have to be tossed all around, that we would be growing up, that we'd be able to speak truth in love to one another. This is the purpose of the church. I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to God's word, a lot of us know it, but we're a forgetful people. There's a simplicity in the gospel. There's a simplicity in sharing the truth of God with one another. We need to be reminded. Do you guys know that? Because we are a forgetful people. 
Last week, I encouraged you guys, all we get to do is be reporters, right? And I hope we reported this week the goodness of God to this world because they need to hear the good news. And we just report God's message. That's all we get to do. So that's what we're doing here this morning. We're going to open God's word and we're going to be reminded, hey, this is what God has for us as his kids. This is what he thinks. So let's go to 1 Corinthians together. We're we'll going to be picking up in chapter 4 this morning. i got to confess a little bit before we jump into this passage of Scripture. I was not looking forward to this chapter. <clears throat> you guys will see why as we start to go through it. But as I spent time uh, praying through it, studying it through, I got pretty excited. And I think this is probably a great message for the church, not just here for us at Freedom Fellowship, but just in general. Because, again, this is a corrective epistle. There are things that we need to get right in the body of Christ. Because we are easily led astray. Any of you guys ever just like, oh, I don't know how I got myself over there into that mess. <laughs> that kind of happened pretty easily. <laughs> We're prone to wander, aren't we? But that's one of the cool things about our God. In his compassion and kindness, in his mercy and grace, he'll speak truth in love to us to correct us, to get us right. That's one thing I love about the Word of God. It's been given to show us what's right and wrong, how we can get right and how we can stay right. And that's why I so appreciate Paul taking the time to speak these things to a very carnal church, as we looked at last time, to correct them in love, in truth. So, Father, this morning we want to we be receptive. We want to be open. We're so thankful to you for how you've blessed uh, the church, your body, uh, with many different um, talents, giftings, Lord, that are needed within, within our members, Lord, that we would be functioning and working together correctly. So we're looking to you. We're thankful this morning that you're right and we're not. <laughs> we want to we align our thinking with you. We want to have the mind of Christ this morning. So we pray and ask that you would come and do a work in and through us for your glory. God, that we would hold tightly to your word, truth, not to just be hearers this morning of it, but we want to be doers of it also. So we offer ourselves to you. We pray that you would speak clearly. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God, and moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So let's camp on these first two verses for a moment together. I find what Paul writes here very significant. Okay, one of the things I like to do when I prepare in study uh, of getting ready to share and teach God's word to you guys is I like to jump in and look at different word studies. And the Greek here, it's significant because the word servant comes up often in the scriptures, we're called to be servants. We follow Christ's example. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. So he is our example. He is our servant leader. And we see in the scriptures this idea of servanthood, of being a slave of Christ, come up over and over again. And this week it was really neat because this word servant, there's six different words that are used in the Greek for servant. This one's not used a whole lot. It actually means under-roar. An under-roar. You guys know back then, about three, 400 years before, 
the Roman Empire, they had built these ships for war. In these huge ships, okay, that would haul military, okay? They would go and capture and gather goods and bring them back. Some of them actually had three decks in the bow, and they had all these galley slaves. Did any of you guys check out Ben-Hur that I threw up on our Facebook group? Yeah, check out that video clip. Some of you guys may remember that movie, okay? All those slaves in in the galley there, just, you know, as much as they can give, okay? Some of them passing out from exhaustion, okay? But some of these ships, they would actually have three different decks of these under rowers, unseen servants who were making the ship go. You guys kind of get why Paul used this word, hey, I'm a servant. (laughs) It's not about being seen. I'm under deck. Nobody even knows I'm there. That's what we do as apostles, as servants of Christ. We are there under rowing, getting people to the destination they need to be. And isn't that kind of a cool picture? You guys see why I like that Greek word and why Paul used it there? It's like, whoa. I'm an under rower. I'm a servant. I'm a minister. My job is to get people from point A to point B. And where's point B? Heaven. <laughs> okay? We want to get them to Jesus. That's our job. And it doesn't matter if we're seen or not. If it's really hard work, we're going to do that. We're going to be an under rower, a galley slave. And I love how he goes on to kind of even come around this idea of being uh, this under uh, rower, this servant of Christ, okay, and being a steward of the mysteries of God, okay? Do you guys know what the mysteries of God are? They've been revealed to you. Yeah, the truths of who Jesus is. Those are the mysteries of God. We get the gospel. We get who Jesus is. We understood why God became a man why he had to live a life that you and I couldn't live, why he died a death as a sacrifice, perfect, spotless lamb of God upon that cross 2,000 years ago, and why he rose from the dead and what that means because he did rise from the dead, the hope that there is in him. We have the truths of God. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them in truth. And do you guys know that God wants us to know the truth? And if we know the truth, we're going to be free. And the reason Jesus came was for freedom's sake. We get the mysteries of God. We know the truths of God. And we get to steward those. Isn't that kind of cool to think about? We get to steward the mysteries of God. Well, isn't there more to it? If I'm going to be a faithful servant, a steward, isn't there more? No. It's not about you. (laughs) You're an under rower. Point A to point B, go and tell people the mysteries of God. Hey, you're a sinner, but guess what? There's a Savior. (laughs) You can be forgiven. Why? Because Jesus died in your place. God paid the penalty for our sin. We can have eternal life through Jesus. We get to share the hope that we have. It's pretty cool. But we have to steward that. Do you guys remember back in Genesis, there was a guy named Potiphar? And he made Joseph the steward of his house, all that the master had, all that belonged to him, he was called to steward it, to take care of it. And I want us to think about this because I see this as a downfall in the church today. And I think it's because we are carnal, 
okay? The church, for some reason, thinks we need to, you know, keep producing. We need to produce this, okay, and that program and make this happen. Do you guys know that God's already done it all? He's given us all. (laughs) We're called to steward it. We are not called to produce it. We just take care of it. We distribute. (laughs) We take care of what's in the master's house. That's all we're to do with it. If we've been given the mysteries of God, we don't have to add anything to it. His word is truth. We just get to share that truth, the goodness of God, all that we have in Christ. Okay? It's not ours. It's his. He's just made us stewards of it. Take care of it. Okay? He's our heavenly father. There's a great inheritance there. Okay? (laughs) We take care of it. We're stewards in that way. But did you guys catch in verse 2 what's required of a steward? Let's read to make sure we get it, okay, that he be found really, really smart. Oh, wait a minute. It didn't say that, okay? Well, he needs to be really good at business or be really rich or have these talents and gifts. What does it say, brother and sister? Just be faithful. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him. That is all he's looking for. Sometimes we look for the best, the brightest, who can do this or that for the kingdom of God. Lord doesn't care about that stuff, does he? Lord says, who's going to be faithful? That's all I want. I want someone who's just going to be faithful to steward. Do you want to serve the Lord, brother and sister? I hope so. Just be faithful. Show up. Whatever God has asked you to do, you show up. You do it. If God's asked you to teach kids' church, guess what? Be faithful. Teach in kids' church. The Lord's asked you to love your neighbor, and go out of your way, even though they might be a little goofy. Any of you guys have a goofy neighbor? Love them. <laughs> Serve them. You just do it. God's giving you that gift. Great. Use it. Don't put it up on the shelf. Maybe someday. Do whatever God's asked you to do. Maybe he's asking you to start a Bible study. Well, I can't do that. It's not about you. It's about stewarding what is his. It's his word. Share it. Whatever God asks you to do, just be faithful. Is that a needed word today? Yeah. Because we easily get caught up into our stuff. Satan easily gets us distracted. Whatever he's asked you to do, you just do it. Wash their feet, you wash their feet. Do nursery, do nursery. Go to the pantry, Serve the poor. Go into the jail, proclaim the gospel. Whatever it is, guys, love your wife. Submit to your husband. Whatever it is, we just get to be faithful. So that's who the Lord's looking for. That's who he's looking for. And we as a church, that's what we look for. Those to step up and to lead. Who's going to be faithful? There's a lot of people who are gifted, maybe even way more gifted, but God's looking for those 
We'll say it now. Let's go on to verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, Paul says, for I know nothing against myself, yet I, I could say a lot about myself, right? <laughs> Bring all you guys look at that. But anyways, this is Paul. Yet I am not, <clears throat> or he says, I am not justified by this, but he who judges is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things in the dark or of darkness and reveal the counsel of hearts. Then each one's praise will come from the Lord. Isn't that pretty cool? Three out of four things, he says, hey, they ain't going to judge me. Only one's going to judge me, and that's going to be the Lord himself, right? You can't judge me. doesn't matter what you think. Okay? Human courts, they can't judge me either, right? And myself, uh, I, I'm not even going to judge myself. God, he's going to reveal the intents of the heart. Do you guys know that? You guys remember last week right at the end of chapter 3? Take a look there. What verse is that? 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Remember? We're going to be tested. It's all going to be burned away, all the junk in this life. The wood hands double. But the things that are of worth, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, those things that we did with a right heart unto the Lord, that's what's going to remain. And those are things of faith, guys. It's not about, look what I did. I showed up and we accomplished this and got that done. What matters is, hey, where was your heart? And that's what God sees. Were you doing this unto me as you served in that way? As you faithfully did that thing week in and week out? Was that unto me in faith? Because that's what God rewards, right? For without faith, we're told in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it is impossible to please God. But he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And if we're truly seeking the Lord in all that we do, those are the things that are going to remain. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, I think there's going to be a lot more of that good stuff that's going to remain than what we think. And I think that's why it was wise of Paul not to judge himself. Because I think sometimes we misjudge ourselves. Did you guys remember earlier, look in chapter 3 that we were in last week, there were three things to avoid. The first one that he told us was in verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. A few verses later, okay, don't let the world in its foolishness avoid that. And also let no one boast in men. And that kind of comes back around what Paul's telling us here in chapter 4, right? You know, don't let human courts, this world, judge you what man says, okay? It doesn't matter what they think. And I think that's a very freeing thing for us as servants of God. I know it has been for me over the years. Words do hurt, don't they? Things people say stick with us. But the more that we can stand in the truth of what God says and not let what others say count. Because I've had a lot of people, oh, you're a great teacher. You're so awesome. Then there's others, oh, I can't believe you taught that. I'm out of here. You're ridiculous. You know, you can't please everybody. And it's not about pleasing everybody, is it? 
It's about pleasing one, and that's Jesus Christ. Do we do what he asks us to do? Are we going to be faithful to what he asks us to do? For me as a pastor teacher, I'm called to teach the word of God. Some people are mad because I won't teach other things. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God says. He says, preach my word. And that's why we're in 1 Corinthians 4 this morning. We're just going to go through the word of God. So I want to encourage you guys, okay, don't let others judge you. It's what God thinks is what really matters, okay? And we would not be, I think it's in Galatians 6. Have you guys been reading Galatians, your homework? Yeah, right? I would not be a servant of God if I pleased men, right? I please Jesus. That's what it's about. So he goes on to tell us then, um, again, the last part there of verse 5, okay, all those hidden things, they're going to be brought to light. He's going to reveal the counsel of our hearts, really what was going on. And doesn't that free us from judging other people too? Okay. There's some people that I look at their ministry and I'm just like, ah, I don't agree with your methodology. I don't know if we really should be ministering to that or making our ministry about that. God's kind of freed me up where I can just be really gracious to people because years ago he spoke to me, son, you don't need to judge. You love. And that was pretty profound at that season in my life because I was finding judgment. When you, you see the word of God, you're able to know what's right and wrong. <laughs> and hey, buddy, that's wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. Well, I don't know the intents of their heart. I may see what's going on, but I don't really know what's driving them or the purpose behind it. And when the Lord spoke to me, you don't need to judge. I judge. You get to love. That's a pretty freeing thing, guys. Do you guys know that vengeance is the Lord's? Do you know that he's the one who's going to judge all the intents of the heart? Those secret things, he's going to reveal it. And in the end, okay, it's going to be him who ultimately, it's all his praise anyways, when he reveals it all. So I want to encourage you guys. If you've got a critical spirit like me, <laughs> love. Just choose to love. Love your neighbor. Love. Verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I figuratively transfer to myself and Apollos, you guys remember the context, he's been talking about unity within the body of Christ, but there's these divisions between him and Apollos and Cephas, and some say I'm of Christ, right? He says, hey, for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up. That's being prideful, right? On behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? Let's chew on that for a second. What is it? It's pride. Isn't it pride? It's always pride. Well, don't you know? If you knew the deep things of God like I know the deep things of God, then you would understand. And then you would be a part of this camp. Or that camp. We see a lot of that today within the church. 
I actually had some pastor friends. I don't know if I can call them friends. But they won't even fellowship with me because I'm not part of their tribe or I don't adhere to that doctrine. And I'll tell you what, guys, I used to be a lot like that too. But I think as we walk with the Lord, the closer we get to Jesus, we understand those things don't matter. Those are brothers. Those are sisters of ours in Christ, even though we may differ in how we think about things. We know Jesus, we're family. And if that is going to separate us, that's not the heart of our Jesus. His heart is what? That we would be one. As he and the Father are one. Wasn't that his heart cry as he was in the garden? Right before he's about to be crucified, as he was praying to the Father there? Wasn't he praying for unity among the body of Christ? Yeah. I really, truly believe, guys, the closer we get to Jesus, the less division there's going to be. So we need, guys, to be looking to him. Trust, don't let that stupid pride get in the way. Allow the Lord to work in and through us. Because we have a great privilege of being able to be unifiers within the body of Christ. Doesn't it go a long ways when you're in a relationship with somebody? Because we can't deny, if we're believers in Christ, we're a part of his body. We're a part of the church. Even though there may be many fractions or denominations within the body, we're still one in Christ, correct? We're brothers and sisters, whether we like it or not. So in that, have you guys found that in relationships, when somebody is vulnerable with you, actually humble, broken, honest, that you in turn will move towards them, a heart of compassion, care, you're letting me in, I'm even going to let myself in then? Or have you seen it even ver- vice versa where you are vulnerable? I don't know if I can trust you really, but I'm willing to take the first step and to be vulnerable and humble, to move towards you, to be real with you. And isn't it cool how oftentimes people then will move towards you? It's a beautiful thing. And I think that should be happening more within the body of Christ. Instead of our pride, and I'm right and you're wrong, hey, bro, hey, sister, isn't it so cool that we've been saved by the grace of God? Isn't our Jesus so awesome that he would save you and I? Because we're in the same boat without him. And moving towards each other, I think, is a beautiful thing. So Paul says, hey, it's not about Apollos. It's not about me. It's not about St. Pete. Yeah. It's about being one in Christ. Don't allow stupid pride to get in the way. He goes on to say, and what you do or what do you have that you do not receive? This is the next question. That's another pride thing, isn't it? Well, look what I did to get. (laughs) Do you know that everything you have has been given to you by God? Okay? It's of the Lord. It's received by the Lord. And it's complete pride and ignorance and blindness when we think it's us. I'm self-made. Really? (laughs) Any giftings you have? (laughs) Any amounts of smarts (laughs) that you may have? 
Isn't that all a gift from the Lord? Receive it with thanksgiving. And when we do that, we find ourselves in a place of humility and not pride. Wow, Lord, you've blessed me. You've given me more than I could ever deserve. And he also goes on to say, what do you have that you've not received? Now, if you did not indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Again, that's just a pride thing. And then he goes on to explain, you are already full. You are already rich. Do you guys understand all that we have in Christ? You know, some of us walk around with, you know, a beaten up poor mentality. Oh, you know, I'm, I have nothing. Everything's against me. We can feel that way. But the truth is, man, we're a royal priesthood. We're kids of the king. Think about that. Whoa. God wanted us to get that point. We are kids of the king. Okay. <laughs> get it. So we've been given all. And then he goes on to say, you have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign that also we might reign with you. For I think or I think that God has displayed us, the apostles. So now he's talking about himself, okay? And the apostles last as men condemned to death. Do you guys know that all of them were martyred for their faith except for one? The apostle John. And I'm glad he stuck around. That's how we got revelation, right? I love John's writings. But he goes on to say, uh, he, put on us, he put us on display. He's, we're, we're men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world. Okay? Let's think about the different spectacles that we look at that get our attention in this world. That's what the apostles were. These men who were going out and preaching this news of this guy from Nazareth, this Jesus the supposedly a, a Messiah, a Savior to the Israeli people, to the world, okay? They were a spectacle, everything they went through, both to angels and men. So verse 10 says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Now again, he's saying the apostles, we who have given ourselves to serve the Lord, to minister to the body, to make Jesus known, Okay? We're going to go and we're going we're gonna to serve for Christ's sake. But as a result, you, us, the church, we get to be wise. And aren't you guys glad? Aren't you glad that Paul took the time to write us this letter? You guys know that he wrote 14 of the New Testament letters? I'm most grateful for the Apostle Paul. I think I've gleaned such insight to God's ways in the depths of doctrine of the truth of the word, even being able to make sense of the Old Testament, I'm thankful for my brother Paul, him being called by God to be an apostle, to go and to speak the truths of God to the Gentile world. Because there's so much I don't get because I don't, I'm not Jewish. I'm a Gentile. And here Paul, writing to Gentile people, I'm thankful for this letter. I'm thankful for all of his writings. I'm thankful for his example as I read the book of Acts and how he went and he shared the good news with all these people, undeserving people, because he knew the heart of his God. He knew that he had a God that so loved this world that he desired none to perish. That this world needs him. 
And he kept going. He also goes on, but you are strong because we're weak. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To this present hour, we are hungry. or We, we hunger and thirst and are poorly clothed and we're beaten. We're homeless and we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, eating the dirt of the world in the off-scourging of all things until now. Wow. And you guys want to sign up to be an apostle? Sign me up. That sounds awesome. And that happens a lot of time in ministry. People want to make it about themselves. Again, we're called to be what? Under rowers. Servants of God. It's not about us. It's not about our ministry and look how great we are and all that we accomplish. I actually get turned off by ministries like that. You know, I have some brothers and sisters like, oh, you gotta check out this guy. All right. I want to learn, you know. There's a brother who's in tune with the Spirit. But if I check out the ministry, it's all about him. That scares me. I'm like, oh, I don't really care for this. My mic's dying. Let's use this mic. You guys ever feel that same way about ministries? Turn on TBN for a little bit. Is TV ministries? I'm not saying they're all goofy, but a lot of them are goofy. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know? You just and this and that. All right, there we go. Then God will bless you and do this and that. Anyways, that's one thing I love about the Word of God. He does instruct us, and he does keep us safe. So in here, guys, when he talks about being this apostle, okay, really becoming the scum of the earth is what he's saying. We're a spectacle to this world for the sake of Christ. Some of us are going to be that spectacle also as we follow Jesus and we serve him. The world's not going to get us, but that's okay. It's not about us. It's about Jesus, and they need to hear about him. So shine bright. Speak the truth in love. Serve. Go preach the gospel, right? Go into all the world preaching the gospel. That's what Paul was doing. Let's move on to verse 14 here. He says, I do not write to you these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. I want to encourage you guys, um, if you study the word of God and you find yourself shamed or feeling guilty, that's not the way God intends his word to be, okay? Condemnation comes from one place, and that's from the pit of hell. Satan is the one who condemns the brethren. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So if you are a believer in Jesus, Romans 8.1 tells you that there's no condemnation. Okay? He bore our guilt and our shame. Jesus did that for us. Okay? You are holy. You are loved. And God speaks his word to us in love. Yeah, truth sometimes is hard to hear. Okay? It may challenge us. Okay? Iron sharpens iron, right? <laughs> okay? Even this morning, some of us might be in a place like, whoa, this is a little convicting. That's okay. Because if the word of God brings conviction, 
that's a good thing for you, for me. If we feel, you know, um, challenged by the scriptures, that's good because God wants us to grow. He wants to see us or see us see what we're missing because we do have blind spots. And that's one thing the word of God will do. It will enlighten our eyes. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we are living in very dark times and we want to be able to see what is there. And God will, as we read his word, reveal things to you and I. But he does, as Paul says, to warn us. It's a warning. Those we love, don't we want to warn them? I see the way in which you're going and I know where that's leading, and that's not a good place. I love you enough to warn you ahead of time. As a dad, I do that with my kids all the time. You know, you just might be thinking that, you know, <laughs> Dad, why are you telling me that again? Because <laughs> I love you. I, I warn you, and I see what's going to happen. And that's really what Paul is doing here. I write these things you, to you not to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. So don't despise the chastening of the Lord, right? Hebrews 12, whom the Lord loves, he will chasten, okay? I spank my kids, or I did. They're getting kind of big now, <laughs> but I love you, okay? I love you, and I'm going to correct you because this is right. So if you're getting spanked by the Lord, be thankful. Be thankful because he does love us enough to tell us the truth to warn us and that's really the part heart of this apostle i'm going to warn you i'm going to tell you guys the truth and then he goes on actually let's go over to galatians i told you guys to be reading through galatians chapter four real quick paul's going to come around this idea here just a couple books to your right galatians chapter four Oh, this is all good, too. Oh, that's because it's Ephesians. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know that was there. All right, there we go. All right, verse 19 in chapter 4 of Galatians, Paul writes this. He says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Think about what Paul is saying there, okay? I, I'm having these birth pains. I'm a dude, but it's like labor for me because it is hard. But I'm willing because I love you until Christ is born in you. Let's go back to Corinthians. This is why Paul says, hey, I'm writing these things to you to warn you. I care enough. I love you enough to correct you. And he goes on to say in verse 15 in 1 Corinthians 4, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, okay? A lot of Bible teachers, a lot of instructors out there today, right? Yet, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wow. Until Christ is formed in you, I'm having labor pains, okay? Do you guys feel that way towards people? Man, I'm I want to see you come to know Jesus, I want to see you bow the knee and be born again of the Spirit. And Paul said, here, I shared the gospel. Many of you guys have come to the faith. Isn't that pretty cool? And it's like giving birth. It is hard, guys. 
I think if sharing the gospel was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> There's a cost to it. There's a concern. And Paul had that heart. And he recognized that, hey, there's a, there's a, lot, of, a lot of instructors, a lot of teachers out there, okay? You guys can come visit my house sometime. I got commentaries all over. Hey, this guy has these comments, and this guy has those comments, and, you know, this book and that book. And there's a lot of instructors in life, but very few fathers. And Paul really had a fatherly heart towards these believers in Corinth. I love you guys. I came to you. I shared Jesus with you. I served you. I taught you the word of God. Okay? And I love his heart. I think that's why I have such an affection for the Apostle Paul. Because I see him as a father in a lot of ways. I'm so thankful for his ministry. And the same is kind of true here today in my life. Because we do have spiritual fathers. Some of you guys, you know, had a season where somebody came alongside you, loved you, shared the gospel with you, taught you God's word. And they're like a spiritual dad to you, and I think that's pretty cool. My spiritual dad, earthly speaking, doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> but he's a guy I've connected with. I've listened to over 1,500 studies, sermons by him over the last 20 years. I'd gone to Bible college, had a bunch of instructors, took dozens and dozens and dozens of classes, you know, had a pastor growing up. None of them ever connected with me as a spiritual dad. But this brother who doesn't even know who I am has. Because I love his heart. His heart's for Jesus. And he wants people to know Jesus. And I think that's why I've connected with him. Okay? He's not a, uh, he is pretty profound. But <laughs> one thing I love about his ministry is he simply just teaches the word of God. And that's something that just struck a chord with me personally. Like, whoa, <laughs> there's a simplicity when it comes to the things of God. There's a simplicity in his word. You can just really just study verse by verse through the Bible and share that with other people. I love that. And I think that's why I do ministry the way I do ministry. Because I've seen that firsthand. And I've seen the fruit of that. It's ministered to my heart. I've grown and I've matured a lot under this brother's ministry. And I want to do the same. Just be faithful to God's word. We preach it to God's people. They can grow. I know some of you guys look at me as a spiritual dad. Some of you guys have led to the Lord. That's cool. <laughs> but I want to encourage you guys, you know, wherever we're at. You know, I feel like <coughs> I was adopted <laughs> Even though I'm a thousand miles away, I've been adopted into his family in part. You guys ever feel that way? Because a lot of you guys, somebody shared Jesus with you, you know? And I think at Freedom Fellowship here, you know, it's like, hey, we're, we're kind of in an adoption. <laughs> There's people that are coming, part of our family, that are growing. I think that's pretty cool. And that's often what happens within the body of Christ. But I want to encourage you guys, there are things that you can get in that family setting that you can't get from an instructor. Because what does Paul say next? And I think this is the key of having a spiritual father, parent in that way. Verse 16, therefore I urge you to imitate me. You guys know that a lot of instructors are just talking mouths? <laughs> if you actually got into their life, you'd be like, I don't want to follow that person. <laughs> 
You know, they might be really good at proclaiming the word of God, but you look into how they live, how they treat their spouse, their dealings with their children, the type of neighbor they are, the type of minister they are, I want nothing to do with them. And I think only a father can say, hey, imitate me. Do as I do, right? Doesn't Paul write in one of his other epistles, follow me as I follow who? Jesus. And that's what it's about. And don't we want a spiritual father to be somebody that's actually legit? Who's actually walking with the Lord? Loving him? Serving him? Someone who stewards the mysteries of God well? Someone who's an underroar? That, hey, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And I'm going to faithfully serve him. That's the type of spiritual dad I want. I want somebody who's going to finish well. Who isn't going to be tossed to and fro in this life, but who's going to stay the course. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to love others. That's the type of spiritual father I want to follow. So Paul is saying to them, hey, I love you guys. (laughs) I'm your spiritual dad in some ways. I've begotten you. Follow me. Follow me. Imitate me. Don't you guys want that to be said of us? (laughs) Okay. Because we can play church, right? But God knows what's really going on. You know, some of us today, you know, we come in. We took showers this morning. We even put deodorant on to love our brothers and sisters. We come in with a smile. But maybe, hey, things things are messy. You know, we want to be legit. We want to be real. Okay. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, live out your faith. Every part of your life. You know, going to work. (laughs) The people you're rubbing shoulders with with your family, okay? Be legit, because we, don't you want to be a person who can say, like Paul, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, I want that to be said of each and every one of us. And that is possible. Yeah, we all have our shortcomings, (laughs) but there is a lot of grace. As we grow in him, we should be maturing. And that's one of the reasons why Paul here, lovingly, is correcting these believers in Corinth. I love you guys enough. It's time to get things, some things straight, to get right. And he goes on in verse 17. Let's wrap this up. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of the ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up. Cry it again, guys. As though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. Do you guys remember our brother James says, hey, don't say that you'll do this and that, but if the Lord wills, we will do this or do that. Okay, And it's good, because Paul, Paul's ministry kind of took sidetracks once in a while, right? He had planned to go here and to meet those people and do that, but oh, I got thrown in prison for a while. I wasn't expecting that to happen. Like, we don't know what today or even tomorrow may hold. That is the Lord. So it is good to say if the Lord wills. But he's going to send who to him? Timothy. Timothy was another son in the faith. He's a man that Paul had taught, who now was a pastor himself, who's been instructed in the ways of the Lord in the church, that he was able to send Timothy and say, hey, Timothy's going to come. And he's in tune with me. We're on the same page. He loves the church. He's going to come, and he's going to speak to you guys as if I was there. And he goes on in verse 18 to say, hey, 
Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will uh, know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love in the spirit of gentleness? Of course we want you to come in the spirit of gentleness, Paul. We don't want to get spanked, you know. Well, then what needs to happen? Well, we need to repent. We need to do what's right, okay? And wouldn't it be cool if we had the Apostle Paul around today to come in and lay down the law? Uh, He's home with the Lord. Paul's not going to come rolling into Freedom Fellowship this morning. But isn't it cool that we have this letter here, a corrective epistle? We have the word of God. It's on us whether or not we obey. God's given us his Holy Spirit. You guys know that we can walk in his ways. And I love it. Because when Paul was doing ministry, hey, you know, I, I can come. It's not a word. It's, it's power. It's the power of God. You guys remember, um, I think it was Bar-Jesus that Paul blinded. You guys remember that? The power of God demonstrated. He's like, dude, you're wrong. <laughs> It's one of those things, guys, when we're dealing with the things of the Lord, you know, he is going to work in our lives. There is a power uh, that he is given within the church to exercise correcting. And we guys need to really adhere to what God has asked of us, to walk in his ways, to walk in his truth. Well, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I can be taught all day long. I can listen and read and be taught What's right? <laughs> Never get there. Well, you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life at work in you. So when he says here, hey, I, I can come with a rod, but I also can come in love in the spirit of gentleness. I don't know about you guys, you know, our Jesus is gentle and lowly. He's very compassionate, very kind, very long-suffering. But he also loves us enough to chastise us. And you may be in a season where you're getting spanked, okay? You may be in a season where you're being gently encouraged or gently rebuked. Whatever season it is, I know that God knows what's best because he's a good dad. He, he knows how to parent us well. So I want to encourage you guys. Okay, if there's pride, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of this chapter deals with, you know, just the horrific effects of pride in our life. Are there things going on where your heart is lifted up, where you're puffed up, where pride is? Humble yourself and seek the Lord to really work and weed out that, that pride in your life. That takes humility. That takes being purposeful. That takes a willingness to be corrected. But I want to encourage you guys. I love 1 Corinthians 4 here. I think it's very practical and very needed for us. We're going to get into some heavier things in the weeks to come. Okay, we're going to be talking a lot about immorality within the church and also within the world. We're going to talk a lot about sexuality. Um, we'll probably get through chapters 5 and 6 the next time we're in Corinthians. I would really appreciate you guys reading ahead and just considering some of these things. But I would encourage you, as I asked you last time, to read through Galatians so much of what is written in the pastoral epistles, okay, uh, which would be Timothy and Titus, those are written to how the church should be working in and the function of the church. 
but all the other letters that Paul wrote are really for the edifying or for the church to be built up, that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I don't want us to take church for granted because that is something that I see at large happening today. There's a lot of brothers and sisters out there that just don't, they don't make a point of being in fellowship, being in the word of God. And as we read there in Ephesians, God has given to the church uh, different pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets for a reason, okay? And even the apostles writing to us, you know, what a blessing to be able to have the word and instruction for us as New Testament believers. And as we get together, we don't forsake the assembling together, we get stirred up. I'm excited for what God is doing here at Freedom Fellowship. I'm excited at this time in history, okay? There's a lot that is unfolding right before our eyes. We get to be salt and light, okay? We get to see some things firsthand, which I, I think a lot of the church throughout the centuries have been looking forward to, okay? I think the, the end is around the corner, okay? We don't really know the day or the age, but we are instructed how we ought to be living in the last days, and we find that through a lot of these epistles. And I want us to encourage to be doers of the word. Why? Because God's ways are just better than ours. Amen? He knows how we're made. He knows what we need, especially as his body. And we just want to do that well. And we want to do it in a way where we can come together and speak to one another in love, in truth, because it does set us free. But we've got to make that happen. And something we're going to be working towards this next year is more fellowship. I'd love to see a lot more fellowship happening, small groups where we're able to get together, not just for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but hey, we're going to be doing life together. We're going to be encouraging each other, building each other up in the faith. Why? Because that's the way God asks us to do it. And that's something a lot of the church is forsaking today, and we're seeing the byproduct of it. We're seeing a lot of lukewarm Christians today, and it's a bummer. We're seeing a lot of carnal Christians today. Why? Because we're not in fellowship. We're not being the church. The body's not functioning the way that God is intending it to be. So what do we do? We choose to do what's right. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to provoke other people. Hopefully it'll provoke other brothers and sisters. Maybe you'll have some of those Christians who haven't been in church for a while that you work with or your neighbors. And they're like, hey, why are you so on with Jesus? Why are you excited about the things of the Lord? Why are you stoked about your church? Well, let me tell you what. God's been stirring me up. I'm fired up because I'm in fellowship. It's stirring me on to good works. And isn't that what happens when we get together and we're praying for one another? We're encouraging one another? It's like, hey, let's go for it. <laughs> let's be doers of the word. Let's go love the lost. Share Jesus with this world. They want hope, and guess what? We have hope. Let's be hope dealers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for uh, just this time together this morning. God, we're grateful for your great grace towards us. God, we thank you for our church family. I'm so love these guys. I thank you for how your spirit has been moving and working in and through us. Thank you for the friendships and relationships that have been made, Lord, over the years and how we can... Uh, work together, shoulder together, just different ministries for your glory, God. We pray that we'd see more of that, God, that your spirit would just uh, 
do just fresh and new things on a continual basis within, uh, within our church family here, uh, that you would be glorified and that we would be enjoying you um, and just sharing that joy with one another. You've given us so much. We're so thankful. Thank you for the Apostle Paul taking the time to pen this letter. God, even though it was thousands of years ago, totally practical today. God, we haven't changed a whole, a whole bunch, but your word, Lord, it, it, it's truth, and it reminds us of what's needed. So we're thankful, God, for your word this morning. Thank you for these brothers and sisters. I pray that you bless them this week. You go before them. We want to lift up this church family over in Poland. God, we know many churches have uh, come alongside to help refugees. God, we just want to pray for all their efforts you'd use them to shine bright and love on people in your name, Jesus. Give them those cold cups of water that people would know that you love them, even though their worlds have been turned upside down, that you're the one that's in control and on the throne and that you have good for them, eternal good, that many would come to know you in this time. So we thank you for this morning. Amen.